Welcome to The New Next, a podcast that addresses current events and how they will impact the future. Co-hosted by the inquisitive public speaking champion, Mike McVeigh, and energy economics and technology expert, Matt Jensen. Join us as we explore all things energy, economic, tech, and political, and how they will affect our future. All right, so... This is one that everybody always cares about because it's the one thing that affects us. Um, what's really happening happening with the gasoline demand? And um, we've talked. Okay, sorry. So we'll just start that part over, even though something tells me you're going to be mean and keep that in. Um, <laughs> all right. So we've talked in the past about gasoline prices and in fact, when we when I start when I got when I had the pleasure of joining this podcast with you, Matt, gas prices were skyrocketing. Um, they were almost three dollars more per gallon than what they had been two months prior, and um, we actually had a little bit of a session about this uh, a couple months ago, talking about is gas going to drop? Well, gas prices have dropped, and um, kind of the question is, what's causing the drop? Is this something that's permanent? Is this something that um, is, is this a one-time drop and then it's going to go back up to the huh. um, insane rates? Um, is there a way that dinosaurs are well, going to help us in this? Part I mean, of the uh, drop yeah, lately you, you have to has answer been these related to gasoline demand numbers coming out from the U.S. government. And uh, there's a little bit debate with this. So we talked a while about back about how the government measures inflation. Um, using tablets and a bunch of people going out when they could easily get uh, price feeds and have a more accurate way of measuring it. Um, with with uh, gasoline demand, too, the primary person that uh, measured this is the uh, Energy uh, Information Administration, so a government agency, and um, they do... So you have the Department of Energy, for instance, that falls uh, gasoline production, and then you also have the American Petroleum Institute. And there's two numbers, and if that come out on uh, basically one day after the another each week, and if you follow this for a while, you realize how <laughs> how wild these estimates mitts are. Sometimes there'll be millions of barrels off from each other. And it's basically people trying to make high level decisions on it. Um, this happened recently with gasoline demand. So the EIA published a demand figure saying that basically the summer driving season didn't exist, which is usually a huge bump up in gasoline demand. And it showed that uh, demand fell. So basically gallons bought during the summer months, uh, you know, June, July had fallen 16%. So lower than the depths of gasoline demand for COVID. In recent years, a company called Gas Buddy has been tracking prices all across the, the country. I be believe they started out with kind of like an app that would allow you to see what the lowest gas prices were in your area. But, uh, through the time, they've actually gotten to a point where they actually track sales of gasoline from 
individual uh, gas stations across the country. So a very detailed point of sale calculation that's kind of more to uh, related to kind of like the food price fee that I talked about for the inflation thing. So the EIA says that demand for gasoline has fallen 16%. Gas Buddy during the same period has said that it has risen by 2%. So, so you have this huge difference, and I think a lot of, um, you know, these so, oil is traded on a financial market, and then people basically work out the physical markets beyond that. Um, so, I think that probably the sell-off for this is overblown. They have a uh, the shoot is it the Federal Reserve? No, I think it's the Commodities Futures Trading Commission. They keep track of its, um, I look at it all the time. I can't remember the name, but it's, it's, uh, it's, I believe the commitment of traders report. It's basically a report that kind of tracks, uh, key oil, oil traders in the United States and what they expect, what they're kind of betting on a, a, a plus negative side for in the coming months with their options. So it includes like Shell Oil, for instance, Exxon, and a lot of these key oil traders. They're betting later in the year that we have a spike in prices. And I've, I felt that this report has always been a good indicator of where oil prices are going. Um, on top of also, you know, the forward spot rates, which are what oil's trading out in uh, months for now. So... If you look at the West Texas immediate uh, price, it's one month. So oil deliverable in one month for that tradable security is CL1. Three months is CL3, et cetera. So you can track that to see kind of where traders are thinking that the oil price is going. But it's, I think the core to this is who's measuring it better the government that takes a very high level measurement or the private company that basically makes their business based on accuracy. And I feel in, <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, the EIA is a great institution. Good thing you don't have a they're, bias even on how you present that. Out huh? of <laughs> the government institutions that there are, I think that they're, they're brilliant people. I think the Department of Energy is pretty br brilliant too. So they they do things well and they take their job seriously. But sometimes, you know, just like with the inflation measurements too, they the, all the people in the, involved in that, I believe, take their job very seriously and care about getting accurate information. But sometimes the way of doing things and the way of measure, measuring things aren't up to date enough to get the accuracy that you need. And when that happens, it usually, or at least in the information sense, right. usually opens up a potential market for a commercial operation to come in and provide information for stuff like this. So, yeah. Well, I was just saying the EIA right. and a lot of these government and, entities will go yeah, back yeah. and revise it once they have more information in the future. I don't see how uh, 
oil demand followed by a 16 or gasoline demand followed by 16%. That's just not, um, so you do have some additional supply from what we talked about in the past refineries running at 97% and foregoing maintenance on those refineries. So the oil industry basically running as fast as they can to try to minimize the price spike in there. And so what, what do you think is causing the EIA to, well, you, and, uh, or why, what, let me say, I'll say, I think it's incorrect data, but what's causing the EIA to have such incorrect data? I mean, it'd be one thing if it's just a couple percentage points different or something, but you know, almost 20% difference. I, I think, so they're not using the, the granular what, data. What's the factor that they're, they're kind missing? of, so you kind of have, you, you have polar opposites, in, in my opinion. They look at kind of some of the high level stuff and then they have like allocation stuff, but they're not necessarily using the individual point of sale data points. So it's kind of like a comparison of, um, say I, tracked your expenses for a month and you spent 15% over last month. And I said, for this whole County that Mike lives in, everybody spent 15% over last month versus tracking every single individual to see where they spent and how much they spent the month. The more granular that you can get, assuming that that data is good, um, Okay. then you're basically measuring what is rather than what you think it is in an allocation methodology. So that's, that's where I think the disconnect is. Um, but you know, who knows, they, they may be right. Like I'm, I'm not saying that gas buddy doesn't have some sort of data thing that messed up too, but with looking how deep the swing is from one to the other and kind of what you kind of see going out there, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me that the added cost for it, granted, I, I do feel mm -hmm. that people are spending less on gasoline, but there's a lot of people that have a lot of money and they're not going to give up their summer vacation or or maybe they have less vacations, so they're not going internationally and they're staying home and traveling yeah. locally. So, and I'm not even sure about that from some of the people I've talked to in the travel industry. Um, the only thing, and that's a secondary thing, but um, air, <laughs> specifically American Airlines, but. Um, Airlines losing luggage is yeah, probably the totally. <laughs> only things people get in keeping people from uh, really doing vacations. Um, I, I think one of the things that I find really interesting, because um, this article is like, oh, okay. Um, that's kind of how I felt when I read it. Uh, <laughs> and I read it again and again, and I'm just like, hmm. I, based on driving the past four or five summers, um, and seeing the traffic, I definitely don't feel like there's any less traffic right now than there was the past few years. Um, I understand COVID 2020 was a little bit different, but 
2021 and 2019 and 2018, yeah. I don't feel like there was less traffic on the road at the same time of year. But, but um, when you went out in the depths got, of COVID, which you know, they're saying not, that this is lower it's than anecdotal, um, it was like a ghost town. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's not even comparable on that. I mean, it's been, like yeah. April and May, there was nobody, uh, or April, there was nobody on the road. Um, I could count, I could count how many cars were driving. Um, May of 2020, because people started thinking it was safe, there was definitely yeah. a lot more people. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there was also a lot of people that would not leave their house. Like they wouldn't even open up their front door and stuff. If there was somebody within a hundred feet, um, and I'm not making fun of them. Like just, I know that there, there's, there's people that they didn't, in fact, it wasn't until 2022 that they left their house. Like they literally, they did not leave their dwelling from March 2020 until like January, February 2022. So no, I can't. I can't, definitely can't agree with that for the states I've been in and the driving time I've done. Um, the I would say it does feel a little bit less than last year. Feel is less than last year, but I don't. I don't know if that would be accurate either. Um, and I was driving all over the state last year, so that's the only reason why I might have <laughs> a little bit different feelings. But, um, like, um, so I don't know. Um, I think we might be in a more extreme summer where you have the people that are vacationing or the people who are definitely driving, and then you have people that are driving as little as possible. And that might be maybe the extremes yeah. are higher, so the me medium is not nearly <laughs> as drastic. But, um but yeah, it's it. If you would like to learn more about the new next podcast, find us at the new next where you can suggest a topic you would like for us to cover. If you enjoyed what you heard, share the podcast, tell a friend about it or rate us with five stars. 